don't want to be strong like men who look pretty. I want to be strong like bitch that fight bears in the forest. Welcome to another episode of Bitch vs. Bear with your hosts, me, Amber, and my bestie, Sydney. We are co-owners of Shield Maiden Training Co. And this is a show where we bitch, laugh, and chat about all the things fitness related to women and the LGBTQI plus community. That is awesome. Right? Right? I think so. We're pretty awesome. We are. And it is now June. Wild. Ugh. Okay. I say, don't say, ugh. It's the best month. Why is it the best month, Amber? Because it's Pride Month. Yes. (laughs) All gay. All the time. All gay all the time. That is the theme for this month. (laughs) Actually, it's mostly the theme of the show. We split it 50-50. It's fine. There's a lot of gay. Okay. So this month, we are focusing on crime and allyship and all things. Yes. So for this first episode, we want to look at pride and allyship in fitness specifically. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I know you do. That's why you wrote this episode. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So pride and allyship in the fitness industry will help to create more inclusive understanding and supportive environments. So important. Mm -hmm. And it's a step towards breaking down barriers, promoting equality, and will help to ensure fitness spaces are accessible to everybody. And that's very important. Yeah. Everyone needs fitness. So why is it important to discuss pride and allyship in the fitness industry specifically? I don't know. Why is it? I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Engaging in conversation about pride and allyship sends powerful messages to the LGBTQIA plus community that empowers and supports individuals within that community. It will increase the sense of community, encourage more participation in fitness activities, which we Woo-hoo. all know is incredibly necessary and mm-hmm. good for our health in so many regards. Right. And if you don't know that, please go back and listen to like all of May <laughs> episodes. <laughs> also, openly discussing pride helps to raise awareness and educate people on the challenges that the LGBTQIA plus community face. Mm-hmm. It also helps to dispel myths and stereotypes while promoting more acceptance in the environments of fitness. Yes, it's fantastic. And lastly, for those of you out there who are owners and coaches and all of that, it is a business opportunity. Yes. I don't know if you've walked around Target in the last few years, but they have hopped on the pride train. So by recognizing and embracing the LGBTQIA community, The fitness industry can expand into a wider customer base and increase membership, loyalty to brand and business, and create a referral network. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this, but there's a lot of gays. Yeah. And we have spending power. Like, I think for a long time, you know, people market to who has spending power. And for a long time, that was straight white men. Mm -hmm. But. still is it still is there are other people out there there are other people out there and you know we have spending power too Mm -hmm. so it's a business opportunity absolutely yeah all the gays have dogs and no children that is and there's a lot of us i mean not all of them a lot of them a lot of ones i know yeah i mean and my dog is a lot less expensive well sometimes Mm -hmm. anyways the gays are great we think we want them in all the spaces So what are some of the challenges that 
LGBTQIA plus individuals face in fitness spaces. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> All of them. All the challenges. Uh, so we, we have just some. We have <laughs> just some. Just, just some of them. Some of the bigger ones that we have identified. So first, and I know we've talked about this before, and even as just an ally, this drives me up a wall. Gender segregated, segregated spaces and policies. Mm, yes. Many fitness spaces define areas such as locker rooms and changes areas and mm. <laughs> changing areas by gender. Yeah, they do. Uh, for non-binary or transgender individuals facing these restrictions and being forced to use facilities that do not align with their identity can be anxiety inducing and stressful and keep them out of these spaces. Yeah. Which is not what we want. Not what we want at all. Or, you know, another policy around, you know, who can, who's using what barbell and yes. what weights, you know, Ugh. like just as something as simple as that can be so, so hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it, yeah, <laughs> we've, we've talked about that so many times. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, it's still true because it's still happening. It has not changed in the last 31 episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the locker rooms and even like when, there's a lot of places that have like those spas and um, mm -hmm. like they have a sauna room or a hot tub or a cold plunge. And again, maybe like I know at certain facilities, like one has a sauna in the men's locker room and the other one is a steam room. In the women's oh, locker interesting. room. They don't even have the same amenities in each one. Rude. So, like, I don't... Yeah. I don't understand. I don't understand either. It would be so easy to just make things gender neutral. Like, they don't have to be yeah. gendered. They I don't just... have to be gendered. Anyways. Yes. Okay. So, one of the other more common challenges that LGBTQI individuals face are stereotyping and body image mm. pressures so this creates another additional stressor to conform to societal ideals and lead to body image issues and impact mental health so when you're yeah. talking about you know what what a, a a male body can do versus what a female body can do and programming and addressing people in certain ways it's just it doesn't it's, it doesn't have to be gendered. I hate, I hate yeah. the, like the myth of like, well, it's not a myth, but the way people frame things like, well, men can do pull-ups because they're, they're stronger in the upper body. It's like, okay, but so what? I'm a freak of nature as a woman who does pull-ups? Like yeah. what? Like it's, it's harder for someone with female anatomy to develop those muscles. It takes a little more effort. Yeah. Like they can still do it. Yeah. One of the stereotypes that... Uh, Tell me. Okay. That lesbians are more athletic as younger <laughs> adults. Like, we, they're like, oh, well, you played soccer, you played softball, you did all these things. Yeah. And it's like, yep, other people can be athletic too. Like, I yeah. just, just because I wear Adidas shorts outside of the gym doesn't, oh, like, not every lesbian is athletic and not every non lesbian is, not every other, you know woman on the team is a lesbian because exactly. they're there. They're though, admittedly, I, I mean, mean, like, but even sports that have certain stereotypes associated with them, mm -hmm. like rugby, like a women's yeah. rugby team, they're like, oh, well, all of you are lesbians. Obviously. Obviously. It can be the only option. Okay. But were there 
yes, street but women on your rugby team. There, there were street women on our rugby team. And it is just the reason I think people gravitate towards certain sports is because there's more of an open-mindedness mm. around the sport. Yeah. Um, and also because if you look, rugby is one of those sports where people have different body types and can excel. There's multiple yes. styles of body types on a rugby team. You have the the tall, very strong women. You have very small, fast, like everybody mm-hmm. can be accepted. And so when the body type is accepted, you get a lot more in terms variety of, of variety of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's a, definitely plays a big part in it. Yeah. Because there's definitely some sports that have a very like, stereotypical build to be good like volleyball for example like there's a very clear kind of body type that excels in volleyball and that's what's recruited into the sport where rugby you have that multiple more inclusive more welcoming space yeah that makes sense yeah so kind of leads into the next challenge that we identified which was a lack of representation so we know that LGBTQIA plus individuals are underrepresented underrepresented in fitness media, advertising, and in leadership roles within the fitness injury industry. Yeah. Yeah. That was a rough sentence. That was. A, I, you did pretty good, though. I struggled with that. There was a lot of big words. <laughs> Rude. Uh, so this lack of representation, man, makes it challenging to find role models or even to feel represented and thus welcome in the industry. Yeah. I think it would be really cool to see a lot more LGBTQIA folks in those leadership roles. Yeah. Like, why can't we have an NFL, you know, owner of a team be somebody in the community? Why can't the head coach of a basketball team be someone in the community? You know, like, that, I think even just getting into sports before we get into fitness. Cause like the lack of representation across all sports and fitness is just absurd. Yeah. You don't, you don't hear about very many gay athletes. You don't hear it's yeah. It's crazy. Not in the like mainstream sports. Yeah. It's why we're here doing this. Exactly. Another challenge is just the lack of knowledge and sensitivity by coaching instructional or fitness professionals, many fitness professionals lack the knowledge around issues that the LGBTQIA individuals face or the concerns and needs of them because they do differ. Mm-hmm. Um, and or just like microaggressions or exclusionary services. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, you a microaggression is always not always is sometimes very hard to identify um, as a person who hasn't had like training and things like that. It's Mm -hmm. it's not because people are inherently bad. It's just that they don't know. And Mm -hmm. so there's just this lack of knowledge and education around it. Yeah, exactly. Which can be really tough. We talk a lot about the importance of inclusive language and representation in fitness on this podcast, but what is inclusive language and why is it so important? So inclusive language is language that promotes equality and respect by considering the experiences of individuals or groups. 
And the importance of this language is that it creates a welcoming environment where people feel safe, supported, valued. Inclusive language avoids words or phrases that are exclusionary or discriminating based on race, gender, sexuality, religion, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. All the things about a person. All the things about a person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So how can fitness companies and individuals create more inclusive and welcoming environments to support pride and allyship? Well, big one, <laughs> and we harp this a lot, educate and train staff. Yes. So training, when you're looking at creating those environments, you should really train to uncover un unconscious biases, which everybody has. Like that's, it's just a thing. And, you know, that is an important one. Um, cultural elements mm -hmm. and the creation of kind of that inclusive atmosphere and environment. Like how do we create that? Um, and this is Using just- inclusive language. Yeah, it, it's a huge one actually. Inclusive is. language is a big signifier to people in the community that this is a safe space. Um, imagery is, is also a huge one. So if you can start with imagery and the language, you're going to set a really good foundation for people to feel safe. And, you know, having representation among staff, like yep. we just talked about, you know, this lack of representation, hiring a diverse team can provide role models and, you know, examples that this place is a safe space. Yeah. You know, we can focus on retention of diverse staff, not just recruitment. Yeah. That's important. I think a lot of people <laughs> focus on like, I got to get them in the door. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now what? You have to get them to stay. They have to be able to feel safe. They have to feel included. They have to feel like there's a community there that supports them. Because if you can get them to stay, they things will happen around them or can happen around them. But if they're just walking in the door and they're only there for a little while and then they're leaving again, you're spending all your time recruiting. And, and that just, it's like spinning your wheels. Yeah. It doesn't really help to promote and further the kind of like allyship and pride around um, your organization. So if you feel like you have a high turnover rate, you need to start looking at what you're doing to retain that diverse staff. Are you educating your other staff? Are you putting in like, you know, what are you doing to keep them there? And if your diverse members are seeing that diverse staff don't even want to be there, like, why would they be there? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So creating policies and procedures are a great way to develop and enforce and promote inclusivity. Um, policy, policies, policies should clearly state the business's commitment to creating a welcoming environment. Mm -hmm. Staff should feel empowered to address any issues of harassment, discrimination, or accessibility among other members and things like that. They yeah. should feel empowered to take those on and make sure that they're communicating with your athletes, your clients, whoever, and know that you're going to stand behind them when you address those things. These policies should be reviewed and updated regularly. You can't just blanket put them <laughs> on and then be like, well, we have this policy from 10 years ago. Like I, things have changed. Things have changed. 
update them regularly. So if during 2020, when a lot of things were coming to the foreground and you put in policies, when was the last time you updated them? When was the last time you reviewed them? Go back and do it. Right. That's important. And, you know, regularly seek feedback from participants, clients, athletes, whatever you call them, to better understand their experiences and identifies ways to improve and make their experience better. Uh, You can use surveys, focus groups, one-on-one conversations, anything. It it can be formal. It can be informal. Just getting that feedback and hearing how things are going and what they need in that space. Absolutely. So creating an inclusive and welcoming environment is an ongoing process, and we understand that. But we know also that you have to pay attention. It requires a lot of attention to detail because those microaggressions, those things, those unconscious biases, there's a lot of things that are under the surface. So having a high attention to detail um, and commitment will help you improve. And listening. That's a big one. Listening. Stay the course. Stay the course. (laughs) All right. Well, June's going to be a fun one. I'm very excited. I think Amber's excited too. She is. I can tell. But you know, I love the gay slide. The gay slide. (laughs) This playground is going to be so fun this month. There's monkey bars and like, what's the um, the spinny thing? The merry-go-round? Is it called a merry-go-round? That's what I always called it. The merry-go-round in my mind is like the carnival ride with the horsies. That's a carousel. I don't know. That's what I've always called it. Hmm. I'm learning something new. Oh, the um, teeter-totter thing? The teeter-totters. If you're on the fence. Yeah, if you're on the fence. I'm like sure it. you know. If you're unsure about the slide, maybe you just try the teeter-totter first. <laughs> Great. Uh, welcome to the gay playground. That's a wrap. Remember, share this with everyone. Yeah. Everyone you know. Just say, hey, I listen to this really cool podcast. You should check it out. And support Support us on Bonfire. We have some awesome yes. swag. It has a subtle rainbow on it. So if you're like, I want to support Pride, but I don't know if I can pull off like rainbow everything, we got some swag for you. And tune in all month for more Pride-related topics, shenanigans, and just absurdity sometimes. Always. Okay, always. Always.